Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, if you've only just recently joined us here at our gatherings, we've been going through the top 10 values that we have as a church. And a value is something that you place priority and importance on. Um, if, you, if you value a clean house, then guess what? You'll hate it when it's dirty. And you'll be out there with your vacuum cleaner, you'll be out there with your duster, and you'll be making sure it's nice and spotless. Why is that? Because you hate living in a dirty house. And so a priority in your life is to have a clean place. And we want to talk about some of the things that the Bible values. It's not just, you know, let's play spin the bottle and choose 10 values out of the Bible. Uh -uh. Let's, let's see what God values and let's, let's impregnate, see the Holy Spirit impregnate those values into the church and see what happens when we partake of those values. Amen. So this morning I want to um, give share the value of the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. Jesus touched on this so often because when Jesus walked the earth, he was limited and confined to be in one place at one time. Hello. But he said, when I'm gone, I'm going to send you the helper because you need help. When we say we don't need help, the Spirit stands off at a distance. But when we acknowledge that we need help, and we all do, the Spirit draws near to us. And He said, when I'm gone and I go back to heaven, I'm going to send you somebody who's going to be with you and He's going to be in you. So that wherever you go, you'll never be separated from me by the Holy Spirit. Wow. He's going to become your eternal companion. So that even if you wake up in the morning and you feel that where is God, you need to understand that if you've received Jesus, He's in you. He hasn't run away from you. He's there with you. He's in you. And when you get up in your day, you need to say, Holy Spirit, I thank you today that you're not far away from me, but you're right here in me. And wherever I go today, I acknowledge that you're here with me. And I'm never, ever going to be alone in my life ever again because Jesus has given me the Spirit. You know, um, this is why we as a church have a high value for the ministry of the Spirit. Because I guarantee if we just choreograph this service this morning, this is what we're going to do, da, 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 and we make no provision for the interruption of the Holy Spirit then people don't get touched. People don't get changed. We've got to allow the great interrupter to interrupt our lives and actually bring the reality of God into our world. And when we're open to do that, then church becomes an exciting place to be. And that's why we take the risk of structuring our services in such a way that prophecy is shared and, and the gifts of the Spirit are shared. Pastor Phil was sharing a whole lot of gifts of the word of knowledge this morning. 
of medical conditions in the congregation this morning that were revealed to him by a gift of the Holy Spirit, one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is where you receive information that you can't know from any other source except from God himself. He gives those secret knowledge words, makes them and reveals them to us so that people's lives can be touched and changed. And that's just one of the gifts. There's nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so this is why we value it so much. It's so much easier as a pastor let me tell you this, over the years, it's so much easier to place your order of service and say, this is what we're going to do. Da, 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 da. A, B, C, D, and E. E for exit. Gone home. Roast pasta for lunch. <laughs> and head off into our day. But you see, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit's like a wind and He comes and we never know when He's going to come. But if we're ready, then He'll come. Amen? And so we want to feel the, we can't see the wind, but we can feel the impact of the wind. And so we want to see that today. So we're going to read the day the church was birthed of Acts chapter 1. And I want to read from verse 4. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, you're getting distracted here. Get back on track. That's not what I was talking about. And he said to them, it's not, uh, he said, verse 8, but you shall receive power. Let's say that together. But you shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. And Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Friends, these are the last words of Jesus. You know, if the Lord doesn't come back and I'm on my deathbed, and I know I haven't got long to live, and my kids are all around the bed. Hopefully they'll have some wives then and I'll have some grandchildren. I reckon Viv's just about ready to kidnap someone's grandchildren. My boys are too slow. Anyway, and they're all around the bed. You know, they'll be waiting. What has dad, what's dad got to say to us? What are his last words that he's going to share with us? Because last words are often some of the most important words. If you know you've got a limited time left, what are you going to say to the ones that love you? These are Jesus' last words. It's time to make Jesus' last words our first priority. His last words were about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Most important this morning. It's time to make these last words our first priority. 
So there's three simple things Jesus said in these verse, these verses that we've just read. The first thing he says here is that I'm going to give you the promise of the Father and you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. The word baptised means to immerse or saturate. So he said, and not many days from now, it was actually 10 days later, not many days from now, you will be baptised. You, you, I'm going to saturate you and I'm going to immerse you, not in water as John baptised, but I'm going to saturate you with the presence, the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Second thing he said, he said, when this happens, you're going to receive power. And that word is the Greek word dunamis, where we also get the word dynamite from. It means a force to be reckoned with. It means supernatural enablement. It means divine ability in place of your inabilities. It means the strength of heaven coming and impacting lives on behalf of heaven. He says, when you get baptised with this Holy Spirit, you're going to receive a dynamic supernatural strength and force that is to accompany for the rest you for the rest of your life. Because I don't want, this is a paraphrase, Jesus was saying, I don't want any of you attempting to do my work in your own ability and strength. You need the helper. You need the one who counsels. You need the teacher. These are all names Jesus gave for the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit within your life. Don't even try and do the work of God without the Holy Spirit. Note, please, He's in the middle of this discussion and they get off track. Oh, politics. When will you restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, friends, this is where we so often miss it. You know where we miss it? We're thinking in natural terms instead of supernatural terms. They were focusing their mind and their thoughts on a physical kingdom that they believed Messiah was going to set up. And Jesus is saying, hey, you guys, you're off track here. Stop thinking about times and seasons and dates and start thinking about what I'm telling you here about the person and the work of the Spirit of being filled, saturated and immersed in the Spirit of God. Because you see, friends, when we, start, when we remain in the natural, we miss out on the supernatural when we're so focused on a political agenda, when we're so focused on a physical kingdom within this world, then we start thinking about position and influence. James and John, sons of thunder, mum comes along. Oh, I want my boy to sit on your right hand and your left hand in heaven. Is that okay with you, Jesus? Jesus saying, hey, it's not for me to give that thing to you. You guys need to realise that this, my kingdom's not about who's who in the zoo. My kingdom is not about who's on the top rung of the ladder. My kingdom is all about the model that I gave to you that I've come to give my life as a ransom for everybody. I've come to not to be served, but to serve. Amen. And so Jesus is putting it on the line here and he's saying, don't focus on money, possessions. Don't focus on recognition. Don't focus on the prestige of man. Stop focusing on ruling and reigning. 
the material world, the physical world, it's time to focus on the kingdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the third thing in this passage is that he says, when you receive this power, this power is going to enable you to declare to the world who I am. You will be witnesses. If, I call, if you are called to the Supreme Court as a witness, do you know why you would be in that position? Because you've seen something that the court wants to hear about. So what's a witness? A witness is simply you're telling somebody else what you have seen and experienced for yourself in your life. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you might be timid, a timid person. You might be a shy person without the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses in your neighbourhood, in your city, in your region, in your nation and to the nations of the world. That's the impact and the effect that the Holy Spirit's going to have upon your life. You're not going to be able to help yourself. You're going to be there. How many times do we feel that sometimes? We're with a person and we can feel the heart of God for them. And it's the fear of man that brings a sneer. That's what the Bible says, the fear of man. When we start listening to that voice of fear that's going to try and cancel out our witness to that person, it ensnares us and it traps us and it closes our mouth. And God says to you this morning, you haven't been given a spirit of fear. You've been given a spirit of power, of love and a sound mind today. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, wherever you are in the world, you're going to be my witness and you're going to declare what Jesus has done on your behalf. And friends, when we start doing that, amazing things start happening. You know, sometimes we can reason. We can look at a person. And we can feel the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to share the good news with this person. I want you to share your story, your testimony of how you met Jesus come into your life. And you look at them with natural eyes and you think, oh, they wouldn't want to hear. Don't use your reasoning. Follow the leadership and the guidance and the director that's within your heart, the Holy Spirit. And He's going to lead you into that place. I want to share some quotes with you because... We need to understand that over 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit's been at work in the world. And uh, there was a period in church history, or in the history of mankind, where the church lived in a very dark time. They call it the Dark Ages. And the Dark Ages was when there was very little revelation of the Holy Spirit in the world. And do you know what happened at that time? This is what happened. Man started making up rules for the church. And the church became this, uh, this positional, influential, political beast in the world that told everybody how to live their lives. And only the priests had access to the Scriptures. And all the common people never had a Bible. And things went askew from that point in time. But in the 1500s, a man by the name of Martin Luther began a reformation in the history of man. He discovered by revelation the Scriptures. And this is, this is what Martin, here's a quote from Martin Luther. A poor servant girl, if she has the Holy Spirit, is in as good position to understand the truth of the Scriptures as the Pope himself. 
Can you imagine how controversial that would have been in his day? Can you imagine how bold he would have had to be to make that statement? But there's truth in that statement. 100 years later, a Quaker. The Quakers were people who would just meet together and they would wait until the Holy Spirit moved. And one of the manifestations over their lives was that they used to shake under the power of God as they would wait in their meetings. And one of the famous Quakers was a man by the name of George Fox. And George Fox said this, The Lord said to me, if he had set up one in the same spirit that the apostles and prophets have, he or she receiving the same spirit should shake all the country 10 miles about them. Recognizing again, in the 1600s, the power of the Holy Spirit. 1700s, John Wesley, who started the Wesleyan Methodist Church. Great man of God. He said, without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing but add sin to sin. Isn't that the truth this morning? The 1800s, the American revivalist Charles Finney, he said this, nothing but the Spirit of Christ within us can save us from sin. This is the role of the Holy Spirit within our lives. You guys looking a bit warm? Are you a bit warm this morning? Maybe we can just turn some of those, um, because I don't want you to um, actually have the embarrassment of falling asleep while I'm preaching this morning. You know, it's, it's okay with me. I just recognize that, you know, you need more sleep before you come to church. It's not my boring preaching that's putting you to sleep. 1900s, early 1900s, an incredible revival broke out that affected the whole world. It's called the Welsh Revival. It was so powerful that many in Wales who were working in the coal mines, who, who worked a lot with uh, donkeys bringing out the loads of the coal out of the mines, and they used to be drunkards and womanizers, and they would curse and swear at their donkeys uh, to get them moving. And when they were impacted and they got saved in the middle of this incredible revival in Wales, their donkeys would no longer obey them because they'd stop cussing and swearing, and the donkeys could no longer understand them. <laughs> all the... Uh, all the um, Prostitute houses began to close down. The pubs began to close down. This literally was a phenomenon that happened. And in the middle of it was one man who started the revival by the name of Evan Roberts. And Evan Roberts was 26 years old. He was a young man. And all he learned how to do was pray. And he would go into the chapel and he would get on his knees and he would pray until he felt the Holy Spirit say stop. Sometimes he'd pray all night. And he would just pray and pray and pray until this revival began to break out and many hundreds of other people joined him in prayer. And this revival was fueled by prayer and the revival began to scorch its way across Wales and into the United Kingdom. And then it jumped across the Atlantic Ocean and it hit Azusa Street in Los Angeles as the power of the Holy Spirit began to spread like a revival fire around the world. And Evan Roberts said this, an infilling of the Holy Spirit is the cause not only of the Welsh revival, but of all revivals in the history of the world. Friends, we can, we can ascribe a mundane life for ourselves, or you can have a supernaturally very exciting existence when you team up with the Holy Spirit and you allow Him into your life. I want to quickly go into the Old Testament. We've seen some of the New Testament is the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? He's all the way through the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon kings and prophets and priests. The ministry of the Spirit came upon. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes within. 
a person as they receive Christ. The Spirit of Christ is in them, but in the Old Testament, the Spirit of Christ came upon different ones to cause them to do different things for the kingdom of God. But there's symbolism all through the Old Testament. And the, the Holy Spirit is symbolized. One of the symbols of the Spirit is oil. Oil. Did you know the word anointing literally means to be smeared with oil? That's what the definition of anointing means. So if, if you've just got anointed, the Holy Spirit just smeared himself across your life. That's what the anointing means. And so we're going to go to the uh, tabernacle in Exodus 27 of Moses. And in the tabernacle, there was an outer court that was surrounded by a huge fence. And there was two uh, pieces of furniture. There was a brazen altar and there was a brazen laver. And they would come and sacrifice uh, the, their um, offering on the brazen altar, which symbolized the cross of Christ. And then they would go to the bronze laver and they would wash themselves there, which symbolizes water baptism. And friends, this is what I've discovered about Christians. There's two type of Christians in the world. There's outer court Christians and there's inner court Christians. Many people are happy just to get saved and water baptized. Brazen altar, brazen laver. But God says, I want to call you into a place of intimacy. I want you to come and move past that experience of water baptism and salvation. And I want you to move into the holy place. And inside the holy place, as you walk through the door, straight across from the doorway was a candle lamp stand with seven lamp stands in it where the oil burned continually day and night. And that candle lampstand gave light. It was the only light within that particular room. Symbolizing the oil inside each of the lampstands of the ministry and the personal work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. So as you walked into that place, the light would shine across from the candle lampstand onto the 12 loaves of bread, which represents bread being the Word of God. Jesus said, I'm the bread. Amen. I'm the bread of life. So you're getting it now. The Holy Spirit, the revelation of the Spirit shines on the Word. And we receive fresh insight from God as the lampstand shines upon the Word of God. And then to finish it off, there was another uh, piece of furniture right by the, the second room, which had a veil next to it. Right at the doorway to that veil was the, the altar of incense. And the altar of incense symbolizes intercession and prayer and worship. And as, you, as the incense was offered up to God, you could then go from the holy place into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt with the tablets of stone and Aaron's rod that budded inside this golden box with cherubim wings on top, angelic wings, wings facing one another on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And you see, this is, this is what, this is, in terms of the Holy Spirit today, let's read a couple of verses for us to understand the role of the Spirit in our life. Exodus 27. Then the people of is tell the people of Israel to bring you pure olive oil for the lampstand. It's not polluted, it's pure. Speaking of the purity of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's the He's not just the Spirit, He's the Holy Spirit. 
So if God's telling you to do something and it's not holy, it's not God. Because he's the Holy Spirit. So it, can, so it can be kept burning continually. Friends, God doesn't just want to have a testimony where you were on fire for him for three months and then the rest of your life you just went back into boredom. He wants you to be on fire, to burn continually with the ministry of the Spirit. Verse 21, the lampstand will be placed outside the inner curtain of the most holy place in the tabernacle, and Aaron and his sons will keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence day and night. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel. It must be kept by all future generations. Do you know what King David wrote about oil? In Psalm 92, he said, I've been anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil. Understand, the Holy Spirit's never stale. But you get stale, and I get stale. And we go off the boil, and we stop that candle lampstand from burning brightly continually day and night, the Scripture says, which speaks about our responsibility. Smith Wigglesworth used to say this, if the Spirit's not stirring me, I'll stir the Spirit. Speaking in a similar manner to what the Scripture talks about here. And look at this. These lamps were to be trimmed every morning and night. Exodus 30. Every morning when Aaron trims the lamp, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar. And each evening when he tends to the lamps, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. Every morning and every evening, the lampstand, the ministry of the Spirit, The priest's role was to trim the wicks because you know why? If you don't trim the wicks, you give off a smoky flame. And if you give off a smoky flame, you can't be the light to anybody else because all they're seeing is smoke and haze. God wants us to give off a bright, clear flame out of our lives so that when people see us, they see the light of God radiating out of us. Hallelujah. And you see, this is the thing that happens is that when things get hazy in our lives and when we stop coming to meet with God morning and night, we start giving off a smoky flame. And then we, if we further don't recognise the fact that we need to pay attention to what God is saying and doing in our hearts, this is what happens. We begin to execute plans over our lives that are not the Lord's plans, they're our plans. They're our plans. This is how the prophet Isaiah puts it. Woe to the rebellious children, Isaiah 30, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but it's not my plan. And make an alliance, but not with my spirit. Any of you getting this? in order to add sin to sin. Verse 2, who proceed down to Egypt. Egypt is a symbol of the world in Scripture. So they're proceeding now from once walking with God to now walking away from God and they're heading into the world, into, the, into, the, uh, into Egypt. Who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me. They haven't bothered to trim the wicks of the lamp of the Holy Spirit. 
to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh. They're now trusting in man's world. Pharaoh is a symbol of worldly rulership. They're now putting their trust in man's authority, not God's. And they, and they seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Verse 3, Therefore the safety of Pharaoh will be your shame. Shame on us when the ministry of the Spirit's available, but we never seek the Holy Spirit. Some trust in men, some trust in chariots, the psalmist wrote, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And the shelter in the shadow of Egypt shall be your humiliation. The prophet Zechariah, he's in the spirit. That means he's connecting with God and God's starting to show him things. And he has a vision. And in in Zechariah 4, he sees a golden lampstand. Again, symbolic of the Holy Spirit's role within your life this morning. He sees this lampstand. And then he asks the Lord and the Lord says this. In verse Zechariah 4, 6, one of the most well-known verses of the Old Testament. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Golden lampstand in front of him. Here's the message. This is where you need to get your light from. This is where you need to get your strength from. Not by human might or human strength, but by my spirit says the Lord. Wow. How is it that we all have the same amount of time every day, seven days a week, 52 weeks of the year, but we start living a restless existence and leaving the ministry of the Spirit out of our lives? How can that be? We've gotten distracted. We've got pulled to one side. We've lost focus. We're now getting our energy and strength source from another source that's not from God. And we're starting to execute plans and building alliances with things that God never asked us to build an alliance with. It's gone quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. We all know what Noah's known for, right? The flood. You think of Noah, you think of the flood. Well, Jesus said, if you want to know round about the time that I'm going to move so powerfully, I'm going to come back to earth. Because Jesus is physically, literally, he's coming back to earth to the city of Jerusalem. If you didn't know that, mark that one up this morning. It's in your Bibles, prophecy. And he's talking to his disciples, and this is what he says about the season in which he will return to earth. Matthew 24, 37, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Huh? Okay. So he's giving us a clue. This is Cluedo. He's giving us a clue now. And he's saying this. He's saying, This is when you can know round about when I'm going to return to earth. Here's one of the signs. As in the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, this is why God brought judgment on the earth, they were eating and drinking. That means gluttonous, beastly eating. 
That means drinking to excess amounts, 24-7 parties going on where people are getting blottoed. Sounds a bit like young people in New Zealand where the alcohol's got a real grip on our nation and Australia. We don't know how to drink properly in this country. When we open a bottle of beer, we open 10 bottles of beer in our head. Never taught and trained properly how to drink properly in this country. You know, the Bible doesn't condemn alcohol, it condemns drunkenness. And we've got such a massive problem. I was talking to an ambulance officer two days ago, and he was just saying it's gotten so bad now that we actually have to have the police accompany us to many of our visits now because drunkenness is the cause of many of our call-outs in our nation. And we can't safely um, attend that call except we've got police officers that have got their tasers and their pepper spray with them because alcohol has gotten out of hand. As in the days of Noah, where they're eating like gluttons and they're drinking to excess and they're giving in marriage, which means the whole sex thing's gotten out of control. Just have a look at that. They were recently going to show a, a doc, uh, not a documentary, like a game show on TV where people were going to have sex inside a perspex box and then others were going to talk about it. Fortunately, the censor came to their senses after all the complaints in New Zealand and they decided against showing it. But that's what's happening in our nation. So do you think the signs of Noah are here? Come on. More than any other time. So it's getting close. And the Bible predicts something else when Jesus is coming back and He's getting really close. It predicts a global, not flood of destruction like in Noah's day, but a global flood of grace and mercy where the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And you're going to see this massive outpouring of God where the Bible says in the prophet Habakkuk that the whole earth will come under the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In other words, there's coming a global outbreak of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit right across the globe. As we see terrorism operate right now, I want to say there's going to be a counter-terrorism move of the Holy Ghost that's going to spread across this nation and to the nations of the world. And God's saying it's real close because as in the days of Noah, I'm getting ready to return, but I'm not going to return until my Spirit's poured out on all all flesh. I hear of people like Lee going on the streets and praying for a guy that's just got out of prison and he's instantly healed. She's 76 years old. She just has to tell somebody about Jesus and to go and say, can I please pray for you? And sovereignly, he gets instantly healed by the power of God. Just a couple of weeks ago, I love that because we've got to do something with Jesus. He just wants to break. He's in us. He wants to break out of us. He wants to touch the world with what He's given to us. Let me finish off by telling you a couple of recent stories of what God can do in a nation. 1949 is the year. The islands similar to New Zealand, the islands of the sea, the Hebrides Islands are off the west coast of Scotland. And on the west coast of Scotland, the church was getting very discouraged. It was post-war and people were just leaving the church of Jesus in droves. The church was no longer relevant to the nation. But one lady who was blind 
and another lady who was maimed. (laughs) The blind and the maimed. (laughs) Two old ladies, two old ladies filled with the Holy Ghost said, we're not going to allow our nation to go down the tubes. We're going to pray and fast. We mightn't be able to see very well. We mightn't be able to walk very well, but we can get on our knees and we can pray. And they began to pray and call upon the name of the Lord. And as they called upon the name of the Lord, God began to stir something afresh within their hearts. And they believed that it was time for the Hebrides to receive a powerful visitation of the Holy Spirit. So they called the most well-known preacher of their times, a man by the name of Duncan Campbell. And Duncan Campbell was an anointed man of God. And they said, well, they called him and they sent the message to him. We said, Duncan, we believe it's time in our nation for a move of the Holy Spirit. Would you please come? He said, no. They talked to all their friends and they said, he said no, but we know what the Lord has said, so he's coming. God will overrule. 10 days later, he changed his mind. And he came for a 10-day series of meetings in the Hebrides. And something began to break out like a mist across the islands, a spiritual mist. And people were coming out of their homes at 1am, 2am in the morning, deeply convicted of the way they were living their lives in sin. And they would come and they would just have to find a church somewhere because they all that they knew was that church was supposed to be a place where people could be forgiven. So they began coming out in the middle of the night across the nation as the Spirit began to move. He was supposed to be there for a 10-day series of meeting. He stayed there for two years as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon those and it spread across into Scotland and down the nation. 1953, the Argentinian church want to have a series of evangelistic meetings. They're only thinking small. They invite a well-known preacher from the USA and last minute he can't make it. So they ask for an unknown God loves moving with the unknown people, the people who are in obscurity, the people who are not. They're nothing in their own eyes. He loves using people like that. You may be one of those people today. And a small town evangelist by the name of Tommy Hicks goes in his place. As he's on the plane, heading down to Argentina from the United States, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and said, I want you to go and see a man called Peron. Peron, small town, wouldn't have a clue who Peron is. So he asks one of the air stewards, he says, do you know anyone in Argentina? This is a big question, isn't it? Big ask. Do you know anyone in Argentina by the name of Peron? Yes, I do. He's our president. President Peron. And he said to the stewardess, God's just told me that I need to go and see him. And she just started laughing at him because he was a ruthless dictator. And he did not like Christianity. So anyway, they get there. He talks to the guys. They're planning a meeting for two and a half thousand people. He says, you guys are thinking too small. God's told me here and we're going to have a meeting for at least 20,000 people in one place. There'd never been a meeting like that before. So they're they're actually feeling insulted through his whole approach. And he says, I need to go and see Peron. I need to go and see Peron. So he went to the palace on a long shot. 
and he's talking to the prison guard, he's talking to the, um, the guard at the presidential palace. And he says, I need to go and see the president. And he said, I'm sorry, you won't be able to get in there. He doesn't take personal appointments. And then he notices the guy's going like this, the guard. And he says, is there something wrong with your body? And he says, I've got a kidney disease. And he says, will you let me pray for you? He says, well, okay. Not a Christian. Prays for him. He's instantly healed. And he says to him, I'll tell you what, come back tomorrow, same time tomorrow, and I'll see what I can do. Comes back the same time the next day. He lets him into the halls of the palace, taken straight into what's the equivalent of the Oval Office, and Peron is in there with all of his advisors. He tells him his story, and Peron says this, I'll tell you what, if your God is real, can he help me? He said, I haven't been seen in public for over a year because I've got a terrible skin disease, and I scratch my skin until I bleed day in and day out. None of my doctors, nobody's been able to help me. Can your God help me? And Tommy Hicks boldly stepped forward and said, my God can heal you. Will you let me pray for you? He prays for him and he receives an instant miracle. His skin goes like a baby's skin as the rash completely disappears in one moment. And in one moment of Holy Spirit, miraculous intervention, because one man has decided to make an alliance with the Holy Spirit and to execute God's plans, not man's plans. Man's plans would have a small two and a half thousand meeting. God's plans would have filled soccer stadiums in the nation. And the Peron says to him, what is it that I can do for you? Anything you want. And he said, open up the largest soccer stadiums in the nation to me. He opens up the largest stadiums in the nation to him and Argentina went through a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit that has never been since. Have they experienced such a powerful move of God? 1953 and 1954. It was so powerful that when the ambulance in the midst of this healing revival where people were being walking out of wheelchairs, where people were receiving sovereign deliverances, that the ambulance staff realised that their people that they picked up were going to have more hope of getting healing by going to the meetings. So they go to the meetings and they couldn't get in the meetings because they were so full, all the seats, all the standing room only on the soccer grounds, that all they could do was they'd say, come over here and put your hand up against the wall of the stadium. And they put the sick people that would put their hands on the wall of the stadium, they were sovereignly healed because the anointing was so strong. That's the God you serve. That's the Holy Spirit that lives in us. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. Would you stand to your feet this morning?